Are we completely crazy for what we're about to do? Yes, but that's never been in question. Well, okay then. Here we go. Welcome to the World School Wonders podcast. I'm Nikki. And I'm Jack. And this is our first episode of World School Wonders, the podcast where we share the story of quitting our jobs, pulling our kids out of a traditional school setting, and leaving our suburban U.S. lifestyle behind for adventures unknown around the globe. That sounds really dramatic. Is what we're doing that dramatic? Yes, I think it's dramatic and obviously a little different. Uh, How many people have looked at us like we have two heads or that we've completely lost our minds when we've told them what we were planning on doing? Yeah, especially right now that we're leaving in the middle of a global pandemic. Well, on today's episode, we want to share the why or why not behind what we're doing. Yeah, we should start out by mentioning that we've been planning for this big adventure, like really seriously planning for about three years now. Yeah, a little more than that. Yeah, uh, you you started dreaming about it after you read that book uh, one year off about 10 years ago, maybe a little more. Uh, but about 36 months ago, that's when we really started planning it. That's There wasn't a global pandemic going on, and it was dramatic then, and people thought we were crazy then. So now we're just lunatics, I guess. Yes. Well, to some extent, we like crazy and risky and unpredictable. It's just who we are. I mean, our third date was a 10-day trip to Costa Rica because you double-dog dared me, and I thought, why not? Yeah, and four nights before we left for our wedding and our honeymoon in Bali, you dared me to quit my job, and I thought, you know what, why not? And you did. And I did. So the fact that we've dared each other to check out a suburban life and go explore the wilds of the earth with two 11-year-old kids shouldn't surprise anyone, (laughs) but why wouldn't we do this? Well, we are in the middle of a pandemic, so there may be a few reasons in there not to do it, but we will definitely be discussing this throughout many episodes of this podcast. So today we want to share the why we're doing what we're doing, or why not, as we just said. And before we do that, we should probably give listeners some context as to who we are. Yeah, we are definitely not big fans of the road more traveled. We're more of the road less traveled kind of folks. We are, and we'll definitely discuss that. We also want to talk about what world schooling is and how it looks so different across so many different families and, quite frankly, how many families are doing this. Because while we love to think that we are traveling an untraveled road, it's not really. We're not doing anything that hundreds of thousands of people are already doing. We've just finally caught on to it. Yeah, so we should probably talk about how families actually pay for this experience, too, because that looks very different for a lot of families. Yeah, it does. Uh, so, okay, that sounds like a plan. You want to get started on the uh, the who we are? Yeah, so for context on who we are, we met 18 years ago. Uh, Nikki was living in Austin, Texas, and we met in Atlanta, where I, where I live and where we both live now. How we met's a good story, and maybe we'll get into it in a future episode. But the relevant part of that beginning, for this conversation at least, is that Nikki moved from Austin to Atlanta so that we could both be in the same city. Yeah, I did. And everyone thought I was completely crazy for moving when we'd only been dating for six months. Yeah, but we worked at the same company and their headquarters was here. 
Yeah, so, but everybody knew that I was really moving across the country for a guy that I hadn't known that long, and it was a risk. But I felt good about it, and I trusted myself, and we had that 10-day trip to Costa Rica under our belt, which was not perfect, by the way. You got a speeding ticket that resulted in you bribing a cop. You got sick. We got into this horrible fight over how I was driving. Yeah, so I bribed the cops so I didn't get the speeding ticket, but I think you're just remembering all the good parts. <laughs> well, my point is that it wasn't all sunsets, volcanoes, and howler monkeys. We navigated the stressful part of travel pretty well, I thought, and that spoke volumes about how we could navigate challenges in life and a relationship. So the whole moving from Atlanta or from moving from Austin to Atlanta was risky, but I felt like it was calculated. And at the end of the day, I trusted my instincts and I went for it and I was right. And that sums up our life, I think. Yeah, so even though we sound like we're crazy, we still do our homework. I mean, when we went to Costa Rica, yes, I did dare you, but you also had a business school classmate from there that you reached out to for some travel advice, and he hooked us up with a local travel guide who did all of the research and told us where to go and what to see, which was my first experience with how you like to overschedule vacations, but that's a different story entirely. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's something that we'll talk about on a future episode. I recognize I do have a FOMO problem. But you're right. We take risks, and we do our homework, and we trust our instincts. That is our family in a nutshell, and part of what makes us say, why not, to this whole experience. So let's talk now about what World School is, how people do the school part, and how families fund it. I get a lot of people who think World School is some sort of online thing that we're doing, or it's something that we're starting or creating on our own, and it's not. Yeah, (laughs) I actually fall into that camp too. I thought it was something preconceived that that was scheduled and or structured. And it's amazing how many people think that that same thing, uh, that there's something structured that we're doing. But let's define world school and the whole world school movement because it's a trend a lot of families are doing more and more lately, and obviously COVID has something to do with that. By most definitions for world school, you'll find on the internet, they come from family blogs that are already doing world schooling. And it's interesting how many more search results come back uh, today than they did even a year ago when we were doing the final stages of planning. I like the definition I found on the internet, world schooling is an educational movement that recognizes that a student can receive no greater education than by experiencing and interacting with the world around them. For families to make it work, this often involves traveling together and using the journeys to enhance their children's education. So, world schooling is essentially moving your family from your country of origin, where you're from or grown up and established your life, to a new city anywhere in the globe, and living and schooling your children, and in some cases working, because a lot of people do work, Not everyone has saved up enough money or sold a business to fund this experience. So it's essentially becoming an expat in another country because you've chosen to make a life for yourself in that country, either semi-permanently or temporarily. That's right. And that's a shorter way of saying it. Well, I think the duration is important to point out because we know families who travel slowly by picking a place and they live there for months or even a couple of years and don't know where they're going next. And then there are families who are moving every month or even every couple of weeks. 
Other families will travel for two months, six months, a year, and then they'll return to their quote unquote normal life at home. And then, you know, they may have an intention about traveling again in the near term, or in some cases, they don't know when they'll travel again because they're working to save up for the next go round. Yeah. And some families uh, have decided to even make this a a long-term lifestyle and maybe they're picking some place to live or work or school for a year or more. And then when they get tired of it, they move on to another location in the world. Yeah, I, I think the, the bottom line is that world tr- school travel timelines vary, and there's no one way to do world school, including how families choose to do the school part. So let's talk about that for a minute. When it comes to educating kids while on the road, some enroll their kids in local schools or international schools, which is what we traditionally think of that expat families are doing. And we've certainly met families who are doing that. International schools, though, can be really expensive. So if you're funding your world school experience versus being sent to a foreign country by your multinational corporation, you may not be able to afford an international school or even a local school. So homeschool is an option where you buy a curriculum or you make up a curriculum curriculum yourself um, to teach the math, the science, the history, etc. Yeah, and uh, in some cases, the parents become the teachers, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, that's what we're doing. I think we're doing okay at it. But there's also a third option, which is what some call unschooling, which can mean everything from having no structure in how your child learns. I mean, literally, you walk out the door and what they see is what they learn to also a semi-structured or loosely guided structure to what your child learns and then letting their learning take place organically based on what they're seeing and what they're curious about um, and really what they want to know. Yeah, I have a little trouble with this one. I mean, how do you keep this from devolving into a Lord of the Flies type scenario with your kids basically running amok? Yeah, that I don't want to learn this. I don't want to learn this. I'm not going to. Yeah, well, what we want to emphasize here on this podcast is that life choices of where you live and how you educate your kids, they are very personal choices. And it's okay to make a choice that and you shouldn't be judged for it. Lord knows how many people, including some in our family, maybe that don't understand what we're doing. Yeah. And if it's not obvious, Nikki is our chief human resources officer in the house. (laughs) Well, it takes all kinds. And, you know, who are we to judge? So world school can include a formal, structured, international or local school, homeschool, or the Lord of the Flies option, no school (laughs) at all. No school at all. (laughs) We should say that there are lots of online school options, too, across a range of price tags that count as a form of homeschool as well. And we'll dedicate an entire episode to those options in the next few weeks. Good. So now let's talk about what people do for work or how they fund an experience like this world school. Yep. Once again, there are lots of variations here, too. Some families save until they can take a mini sabbatical, kind of like we did, whether it's for three weeks or three months. um, You know, they don't they don't work while they're on the road. And I like that, even though that's not what I'll be doing. It does appeal to me. Yeah, that was the initial plan. But uh, evidently, Nikki does not know how to not work. That might be true a little bit. Yeah. And you know what? Other folks have sold businesses and made a little money uh, that they're putting towards this funding of the non-working experience, or they sell homes and possessions. Others have uh, the digital nomad lifestyle where they have uh, online businesses that can keep them going from anywhere in the world. And I would add that uh, some people have also very aggressively managed their uh, monthly costs of living. 
And uh, digital nomad careers can be anything from writing or digital marketing, uh, even teaching English as a second language to other people or coaching or even consulting and psychotherapy. Yeah, again, I think families can get really creative on how they make this work. And to some extent, which is kind of my story, COVID has taught us all that you don't have to be in a physical office to work. And so, you know, I'm online with what I do now, and that's pretty much where I've been for the past seven months. So I don't know that I'll miss, you know, a beat really when we're overseas and taking taking Zoom calls and Skype meetings uh, from other locations. And we should share how we funded our World School experience by saving enough to live for a year abroad and also paying down debt. And we've been doing that for four years. Yeah, but the serious planning really started about three years ago. That's when we put the 36 post-it notes on our office wall to mark the monthly goals that we had, which was a great way of reminding us of those goals. And obviously every month as we met our goals, we took one of the post-it notes off until there were no more post-it notes. Can I say that that was my idea? It was. It was. (laughs) And what a great idea it was. Yeah. Oh, you know what? We haven't explained how we intend to travel. We mentioned that some families travel for short bursts and others pick a single location and then figure out their next move from there. I guess this is where we'll talk a lot about where we've had to adapt to COVID because our plans are totally different than where we started out. Yeah, we should start by saying that, one, I don't like cold weather. True. And, and two, we had originally uh, proposed locations that all had their summer throughout the year that we were going to be gone. And it's also a brilliant idea from a packing perspective because you don't have to worry about packing for multiple seasons. Yeah, but then you suggested we slow travel some by staying in one place for three months at a time and using a city as a home base from which to travel. And what's different or what's notable about the three month is that as Americans, most countries will allow us a 90 day visa free travel. And so the three months, the 90 day uh, visa free, just kind of all seem to make sense. Yeah. And you know, another, you know, I thought that was a a good move from a practicality perspective as well, because um, I didn't want to live out of a suitcase for a year and just keep keep being on the road and living in Airbnbs or what have you. I, I really wanted to have like a home base and do some short travel because I, I thought that the moving every few weeks would kind of get wearisome. Yeah, and I like the idea because it might give us a chance to build somewhat of a community while we're traveling. And constant traveling is more expensive than kind of staying in one place and using it as a base. Yeah, the, the the being able to live in a place and negotiate rent or even on you know monthly stays in Airbnb are cheaper than renting by the week. So that's a good move. And we should also say that we have friends living in all four locations that we originally picked. Um you know, or we knew people that were relatively close. But once again, COVID hit, uh, which I guess is life is what happens when you're making other plans, but we had to pivot a little bit. Yeah, so our original itinerary uh, had us leaving just in a few weeks, actually, for Cuenca, Ecuador, uh, where I have a high school friend and where Nikki's made many friends, actually, online through an expat group. Uh, And then we were going to go to Cape Town, South Africa, where we also have friends, and then on to uh, Denpasar, Bali, where we got married and uh, used that as a big world schooling hub since it's such a popular topic there in Bali anyway. Yeah. And then finally, we were going to head over to Valencia, Spain, because it's Europe. 
And we have been to Europe several times as a family, but we also have really good friends in Nice, France. So we thought that, you know, Valencia was good because uh, it's cost not, of living. Exactly. It's not as expensive as the UK or France, but it's, it, uh, it's, but it's still, here. that's right. But it's still easy to get around Europe from there. Yeah. And we should mention that we picked these locations in that order, not just because of the weather, but also because it was sort of alternating a standard of living, a cost of living, right? Cuenca is affordable. Cape Town is a little more expensive, although the exchange rate of the South African rand to the U.S. dollar makes it affordable for people coming from the U.S. And then Bali is totally affordable. Spain is also affordable by Western European standards. It's not France or the UK, but it is more expensive than Bali. So we kind of felt like, you know, if we all alternate affordable to a little more expensive, then the kids might have a prayer for not having to share a room for an entire year. All right, that was then, and this is now, and there's a global pandemic, and a lot of these places, well, all of them actually currently, they're harder to get to because of the whole requirement for a negative COVID PCR test. I mean, that's even best case scenario. But again, um, there are a very small number of countries as Americans that we can travel to, ironically. Yeah, and I should say that we'll have we'll devote a whole episode to traveling in the time of COVID as we get out there and kind of see what the norms are and and what people have to do. But, you know, I didn't want to have to travel to some place that required a COVID test because uh, getting a COVID test can be really difficult in the U.S. where testing appointment times and processing times, they vary so much. And when I was on my online, you know, expat groups, primarily for Cuenca, people were really stressed out in terms of wondering, you know, are the, 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 the COVID tests going to come back in time for them to get on a plane? Because I think back in June, you had to have a COVID PCR test that was valid within seven days. And that's like a, that's a needle that you have to thread. And I really just didn't want that stress. But thanks to the inspiration of a travel real estate show, we were introduced to Saranda, Albania. And upon further research, we learned that their incidents of COVID are very low. In fact, they have no active cases right now, primarily probably because Saranda is four hours from the capital of Tirana. So instead of starting out in Cuenca, we're launching World School in Saranda, Albania. And up until three months ago, we hadn't even heard of it. Yeah. So why Saranda specifically? Well, one, it's in Albania and Albania is one of only a handful of countries we can travel to. And two, the entire country of Albania has a population of about half of the city of Atlanta, where we live. But Albania has only had about 8,000 total cases of COVID, as opposed to the state of Georgia's 350,000 COVID cases, most of which are in the metro area. If you believe the statistics. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And then I think the other other thing of note, because a lot of people have looked at us like we're crazy for traveling during, during the epidemic, is that... There are no active cases of COVID in Serana right now. Yeah, Saranda. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I think the other thing about Albania that that was really attractive to us too, well, two things. One, it's very affordable. And then two, the geography, it sits on the Adriatic Sea, just south of Croatia, which is not a country we've been to yet, but we hear so many friends talk about how beautiful Croatia is. But Albania is on its way being accepted into the EU, but it's not there yet. So they're still on their own currency, the LEC, 
which is about 10 to 1 to the American dollar, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, it's 11 to 1 now. Okay, okay. So, you know, we definitely are not going to have to break the bank. And again, Tom and Emma might be able to have their own room. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) So now you're probably wondering, uh, why not Albania? Yeah, is there a downside to traveling there? Well, if you listen to the popular media, as well as some friends of mine on Facebook, uh, you might pause because of how Albania, how Albania has been portrayed um, in Hollywood movies like War Dogs and Liam Neeson. I think it was there was a backdrop of Albanian criminals and the movie Taken. And that's typically what people will reference when we tell them we're going to Albania. Absolutely. The first thing that everyone does is that they, uh, they make a joke about the, the movie Taken. Uh, all organized crime and human trafficking. Yeah, and that just it kind of irritates me. I mean, I know they're trying to be funny, but... You know, people think this popular media is reality, and it's just not. And the people that made those comments, you know, they're educated. I feel like they should know better. Yeah, so uh, maybe our maybe our plan should include working for the tourism board. <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. Well, we'll definitely post, you know, videos, and we'll have podcasts about, uh, you know, what Albania is really like. Because I people talk about it as being the next Croatia, which is great. You know, everybody wants to try to find the, the gem before everybody else discovers it. Maybe it's a good thing that uh, not that many people are going to be in Albania because there'll be fewer tourists and demand that we'll have to deal with as well. Yeah, good point. From the research we've done, which includes loads of online about uh, culture, government, transportation, which, granted, isn't as developed as the rest of Europe because the investment in the infrastructure is going on right now because they're not officially members of the EU yet. Exactly, but it's a perfectly delightful, safe country. There are loads of expats, including American expats, living there. And in fact, we already have one friend because of the Facebook Facebook expat group I joined. And we have a charitable cause that we're going to support when we get there. They all have, or Saranda in particular, has so many stray dogs and cats. They don't really have a lot of nonprofits like the Humane Society that are helping uh, spay and neuter dogs and cats. So, and we love dogs. So we're going to do some volunteering while we're there. Yeah, but just for the record and for everyone out there listening, we are not fostering a dog. <laughs> I'm not suggesting we do that because we uh, we do want to travel and that's going to be an issue. But we actually lost our dog, our family dog, about, gosh, I mean, it's been almost two years ago mm-hmm. and it still hurts. And our kids love dogs. They've been begging us for a dog. But because we are had been planning on doing world school, we have been holding off and resisting. But it'll still be nice to kind of help out the local community and maybe scratch that itch for a puppy at the same time. So changing topics completely, since I'm totally uncomfortable with this whole (laughs) dog thing, um, we should mention that Saranda is only a short ferry ride away from Corfu, the island of Corfu, Greece, uh, obviously when, when Greece is open. And in fact, we'll be able to see Corfu from the balcony of our apartment. And it's also really close. Saranda is also really close to a little town in Italy called Brindisi. And we've been to Athens and to Rome, but I'm looking forward to exploring the smaller towns in these countries. And uh, I think that Saranda is going to be a great departure city. Yeah, it's so funny because Jack and I both grew up in really small communities and we have resisted that. I mean, we definitely consider ourselves attracted to more metropolitan areas. But again, I think COVID has really prepared us for a slower lifestyle. It's kind of made us appreciate the aspects of our childhood uh, that were associated with a slower, slower town and, and a little bit fewer people to have to deal with. 
And let's face it, for the past seven months, we really haven't seen much of our city at all. And at least in Saranda, we'll be able to look out over the Mediterranean as we work and school from home. I mean, again, why not take advantage of a change in scenery? Yeah, so now's a good time. Let's transition into the why. Uh, why the we're doing? Why. Yeah, why we're doing this. Yeah, I think so, because as much as we love our life where we live, our community, the school friends the kids have made, um, it's, it's, we live in a great, great community. But at the same time, we kind of feel like we're missing something. I was actually telling Nikki the other day, it's been over a year since we've traveled anywhere. And, you know, we've been in Atlanta for a long time. I've been here over 20 years, and Nikki's been here almost 20. So it's actually the longest we've lived anywhere individually. Uh, even even including our childhood. Uh, and, you know, we kind of feel like it's time for a little change. Yeah, and, and I also feel like life in the suburbs of the United States can be pretty out of touch with how the world really works. I mean, I don't want our kids growing up to think that, you know, the key, the secret to having a great life is a big SUV and, you know, little league games, that those are all expected staples of a life well-lived. There are lots of ways to live in this world, lots of food to eat, cultures to observe, sports to be fanatical about. It doesn't just have to be SEC college football Um, and even religions to explore and to understand. And I just I don't want our kids growing up thinking that where we live now is the standard because it doesn't have to be. There are great things about living in the United States. Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see what the kids, you know, think about home versus where we travel and what they like. But, you know, the U.S. isn't the only country in the world with a great society, a great standard of living and great people. And I want our kids to see that. Heck, I want to see that. I miss it. I miss not traveling. I agree. As much as our kids have traveled with us in their 11 years, it's all been a week or two at a time at the most. And they, there's a lot they haven't seen or experienced. And let's face it, the, the world's more than what flavor of gelato you like best. Oh, you better not share that with Emma. She might not get on the plane. <laughs> we won't tell her until we get there. Yeah, and I wrote a blog post about that very thing after we visited South Africa in 2016, um, which I should say to date is probably the most exceptional trip we've ever taken as a family. Wouldn't you agree? I would, and that's why Cape Town made its way into the rotation. Yeah, we did so many amazing things in in Africa, safaris, crazy hotels, Table Mountain, penguins. Uh, You know, we explored so many cool things, but we explored none of the cultural and racial history of South Africa. And when I thought about it after we came home, honestly, I was kind of disappointed in myself. And that's what I wrote about in that blog post, that... As an American, I feel like we have become Disney-fied about creating these magical vacations where everything is so shiny and happy and perfect. And when you do that, you really miss out on so much. And that's what I'm looking forward to really kind of kind of releasing as we travel the world. I want to see the good, but I also kind of want to see the bad and understand what the, how that came to be and, and really think deeply about that aspect of our humanity. Yeah, definitely. And the kids are older, so they're at an age where they need to be taught the lessons of history. And I mean, let's face it, the kids were seven when we were in South Africa. And, 
you know, when a, when a child is that young, there's just so much you can do before you lose them. And of course, at that age, when you lose them, really bad things happen like temper tantrums and, <laughs> and, and screaming. Yeah. And so we, you know, as parents, we try to avoid those situations if we can. Yeah. Well, thanks for letting me off the hook there. No, I, you're right. I think that uh, if we had taken them to Robben Island and talked about Nelson Mandela, you know, I, I definitely don't think they would really they wouldn't have taken it in and it'll be so much more meaningful to, to them now, especially, you know, in the, the era of George Floyd and whatnot. So it, it's good. The timing is right for us to do those things now. And, and when they were seven, it probably would not have, have gone well. I'm just saying that I think we need to make ourselves a little uncomfortable as we're touring the ancient world, uh, which is where we'll be. And, and let's talk about the origins of the Christian church and how it wasn't all you know, love and light, as maybe, you know, the, the beginning of the philosophy was instructed, that the, the road to Christianity, it was... Uh, a lot of well-fed lions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So. Yeah, and with, and with the kids being 11 going on 12 now, uh, and with us being able to spend a significantly longer period of time in each location, we'll have the opportunity to do that this time around. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, friends, that is our introduction to the World School Wonders podcast. Our craziness has been explained. <laughs> we hope you'll join us on this crazy journey that we are about to start. You can follow our travels on our website, www.worldschoolfor4.com. That's www.worldschoolfor4.com. Feel free to subscribe to our blog and get updates as we travel. And we'll make sure to share our stories both in picture and podcast form. Yeah, and eventually in video on YouTube. Oh, that's your mastermind, my friend. Make it happen. I can only handle two, two at a time. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast as well. You won't want to miss our next episode where we'll be talking to a veteran world school mom who's been traveling as a single parent with her twins since 2016. She's had some amazing adventures. And she also works with an online school that educates hundreds of world school kids and homeschool kids. So we'll get into all of that in terms of the forms of education that we mentioned in this episode that are available. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next time. And I didn't realize there was going to be a next time. <laughs> of course there's going to be a next time. Just follow my script. Uh, aye, aye, sir. Aye, <laughs> sir.